Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and we are on to Tampa Bay as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 145. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with NFL Film senior producer Greg Cosell to talk about the Eagles' week one win over the Atlanta Falcons. The defense was phenomenal. The offense was better than expected after watching the film. I'll get Greg's thoughts in that segment before we look ahead to the Tampa Bay Bucks and their explosive win over the New New Orleans Saints. This is shaping up to be a fun matchup on Sunday afternoon. Next up on the show, we will transition to my scouting report where I will go through my notes on Tampa Bay running back Peyton Barber. I liked him coming out of Auburn a couple years ago, so we'll look at my notes on him, how he's progressed up to this point in the year, and maybe some big picture thoughts on how I view the running back position as a whole. But before we get into all that, I caught up with Greg Cosell this week to discuss the Eagles and their week one win over those Atlanta Falcons. Let's get to that chat now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joining us now on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, is NFL film senior producer Greg Cosell. Greg, welcome back to Chalk Talk. We've got a game to talk about, a real NFL game to talk about here for the first time in the 2018 season. The Eagles with the win in the NFL opener over the Atlanta Falcons. You and I poured over the tape Friday morning. Uh, we talked a little bit about I was a little it. bleary-eyed. Yeah, we both had late nights <laughs> on, uh, on Thursday night. We both had early mornings yeah. Friday, but uh, that's just a way to bring that's, in the that's season. That's the way that's, it goes. That's the start for, uh, for 2018, but... A lot to talk about, and then obviously the explosive game from the Tampa Bay Bucks on Sunday, which I don't think either of us really expected that game to go exactly how it went, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's first talk about this Eagles-Falcons game, and um, really was a sloppy game on both sides, uh, meaning both sidelines, uh, over the course of, we'll say, three quarters, and then just turned into a pretty interesting game uh, down Compelling. the Compelling. Yes, uh, not necessarily so. uh, great, but compelling. Right, no question. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, let's let's first start overall thoughts uh, on the offense from what you saw on Thursday night. Uh, I mean, I think it's it's a schemed offense for Nick Foles. I, I tell you, I think what probably stood out to me more than anything was how diverse the Eagles' run game continues to be. I think that is such a critical part of what they do, particularly with Nick at quarterback. Yeah, because I think their run game is and and. You know, I don't know if it's overlooked. I know that their run ranking a year ago was high, so maybe it's not overlooked. Obviously, when Carson Wentz was playing and with what Nick did down the stretch in the playoffs, there was a lot of talk about the quarterbacks, and the Eagles didn't have a 1,000-yard rusher, so it wasn't as if one guy was generating a lot of talk. But their run game is fun to watch. No question. I mean, we, we've talked about in the past you just the wide variety of zone schemes, yep. of gap schemes, of misdirection schemes. You had the perimeter run. You had the outside runs. Um, you had tackle over elements. You had a lot of different things. And then they, they went with 6-0 linemen at times yes. in the second half. That last you know, touchdown by yep. Jay Jai was a 6-0 line run. Yep. yep. There, there, was a, there was just a lot to be able to take in. This offensive line, I thought, really came to play Thursday. You know, and I think that we know he's a great player, but I'm not sure that – people realize the importance of having a center like Jason Kelsey with his movement because that gives you the ability to do so many things. I mean, there are centers in this league who are very good players, 
but are essentially kind of box players. They they play in a small vacuum, and they're very good at that. Yep. But when you have a center with the kind of movement that Kelsey gives you, that really allows you to do so many more things in your run game. The block that he made on that final touchdown, the Ajayi final touchdown, was was crazy because it's a pin pull scheme. So he's pulling to his left. And Deion Jones, who we talked about last week, one of the most athletic linebackers. And, and a very good gap shooter. Yeah, and yeah. He shoots the gap. He's trying to get a free run through to Ajayi. He's not on Kelsey's arc. Like, that's not no. a block that. Well, that's not Kelsey's seconds. guy. Yeah, that's not, that's not who he's no, supposed to block. Right. But he sees them flash out of the corner of his peripheral vision, puts his foot in the ground, pivots out, and gets, her, gets his and, right and, arm on him and stops him cold. And there's a perfect example. First of all, he's being used as a puller, which not every center in the league sure. is. Yep. But secondly, his ability to change direction and react to that, it's you crazy. Know, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about with the athleticism. Obviously, that wasn't the, the structured play. That wasn't his assignment. But there's a perfect example where he had to make an adjustment on the move, and he's able to make it because he's such a high-level athlete for the position. Yeah, and, and on that same play, another guy that I just feel – is underrated. That was the Brandon Brooks. Is yeah. the Brandon yeah. Brooks. Brandon Brooks to me uh, is one of the best guards in football. Yeah. You watch the league, the league as a whole. Right. There's more so than I do. Uh, I don't know how if you agree with that statement, but for me, like for the teams that I have watched over the last year and change, I mean he's one of the best guards. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not studying guards of in course. great detail every time I watch tape of. of the teams, you know, and I try to get through every team. I missed your but top. You didn't do a top 10 ranking? Or I did not. I did not. Okay. No, no. But he's a very good player. And again, overall, this O-line is a really good O-line that allows the Eagles to be really diverse in the run game. And yeah. I, I, I think it's finally becoming known that this is and, – and they may not have a 1,000-yard rusher this year. You never know. I mean, right. the season has obviously, you know, 15 more games to go, and we don't know how it will play out. But it, it's not a team offensively that's built on giving the ball to one guy 20 times a game. Sure. You know, I thought J.H.I. had a very good game the other night, and I think he was, what, 15 for 62, something along those lines. He ran hard. But he ran hard. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good day overall, I thought, for, for J.H.I. Uh, we saw a good amount of Darren Sproles. But before we get to Sproles, uh, while we're just finishing up the O-line, overall thoughts on Jason Peters and, and his return to, to action. He missed a good chunk of last year, obviously. It was, I was very interested to see what he would look like coming back. To me... I- he looked like the Jason Peters. I thought he there. played well. There were just one or two plays where, and you could see where he he was mad at himself. Yeah. But for the most part, there were n- numerous times they left him on an island and one-on-one pass protection, which is obviously what you want to do when you have a great left tackle. Yep. And I thought he handled himself really, really well. Yeah, and I think when you look at this offensive line in general, there were a couple busts early in protection, right. You know, right. but they gave up a couple sacks early on. One of them, you know, Foles dropped the snap and things like that, but. You saw them kind of rebound, and then the different stunts, the different twists, the different blitzes that Atlanta threw at them, for the most part, they were pretty assignment right. sound and blocked it all yep. up over the last three quarters of the game, which I thought that was good. You know, For this group, they hadn't played together over the course of the preseason. Really. No, I don't think Peters played one snap. Yeah, Peters did didn't play no. in the preseason at no. all. Um, you know, Foles obviously in and out of the lineup. Darren Sproles didn't play at all in the preseason either. So uh, just being able to kind of get back on the same page in live action, uh, that was for sure good to see. Um Nelson, and it was kind of used a lot of different ways on uh, on on Thursday night. We saw him as a receiver. I think he would would he have like eight catches for thirty six yards or well, or he lined like up. What was interesting is he lined up both outside and in the yes. slot. I mean, obviously last year he was predominantly a slot receiver, but with all the injuries with uh, with um, Jeffrey out and Hollins out. You know, he lined up outside and in the slot, as did Carter. Carter got a ton of snaps. Yeah, as I was going to say, he had over 50 snaps. Yeah. I don't know if any of us 
would have thought that that would have happened. Well, first of all, we didn't even know he was going to be here about three sure. months ago. Yeah, no so I mean, he wasn't here. He wasn't <laughs> right, here two right, right, ago. right. Uh, but so just the fact that uh, that he worked his way on the team and then was such yep. a, a big part of of the game plan. I think he what did he finish with one catch, but was used as a blocker. And you saw, you know, he was he was on the field. He was for on the field. He, start, he started the game. Well, keep in mind that you know Nick did complete nineteen balls, but only for one hundred seventeen yards. So yep. the pass game was certainly not dynamic. So no receiver put up any kind of numbers but Carter played a lot of snaps and was moved around the formation heavy 11 personnel on Thursday night yeah not as much 12 as I thought we might I would have expected more to be honest with yeah. you yeah I wonder if that'll be something that uh you know if that was just a game plan specific thing if it was just based on the flow of the game especially with the receivers out I thought all right you right. know with with Alshon and Mac Collins out maybe we'll see more Dallas well, Goddard you have to understand you know you know this I'm not saying to you yeah, you have to understand course. but I mean yes. Goddard's still a rookie no question and you know people can say what they want and maybe in, in Six weeks or a year, we'll be saying, well, Goddard's an unbelievably great player. That's yep. the hope. But he's still a rookie playing in his first game against a very fast defense. And they can make you look bad if you're not prepared. Yeah, no Richard Rodgers in this game. Obviously, he right. injured reserve right. uh, early in the week. So uh, you, we didn't see Richard Rodgers. Josh Perkins, this was his first uh, right. real NFL action as well. He did get uh, on the field for right. a few plays. But um, overall, I thought that was an interesting takeaway. Very little. I, I think you will see more. Of uh, Goddard, though, split as as uh, the single receiver to the boundary. They took the shot to him yeah. uh, with Duke Riley on him, the linebacker. Great coverage by Riley. It was great coverage. Yep. And I think Goddard, you know, sometimes you get these quote-unquote athletic tight ends. Like I noticed the same thing watching Mike Isecki in Miami in the preseason. And people assume just because they're athletic that they're going to line up outside and win. It's not the same in the NFL as it is in college. Gusecki had a hard time with that in the preseason. And I think Dallas Goddard will figure that out, that you can't just run. Yeah. Obviously, he made a great catch. It was out of bounds. Yep. But uh, you know, I think you'll see more of that as the season progresses. Yeah, I'm excited just to see how he continues to develop and they try and kind of ease him yep. into this offense. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch, especially when all the horses are back and you start yeah. to get all these guys up to full speed. Uh, let's get on the defensive side because I thought – um, there were a lot of great takeaways from this defensive film uh, at all three levels, really. But let, let's first let's just start up front the defensive line and, and Fletcher Cox was well. That was my profound uh, comment from film study that Fletcher Cox is good. He's he's pretty good. I <laughs> he's think pretty, he's going to turn into yeah, a yeah. Player. He's pretty good. He, I mean, run game, pass game, screen yep. game, drop back. That play pass, he made on action. the screen where he didn't get the tackle. How many guys in the league make that play? The defensive. Tackle? I was trying. I watched that play over and over and over and. Obviously, you can never get into a player's head, yeah. but I was trying to figure out at what point did he know that was a screen because it, it's like second step. It, yeah, <laughs> yes, it, like it was yes. ridiculous. Yeah, it was it was just brilliant. I mean, and and when they match him up against a center, whether he's a zero technique or kind of a no shade, yeah. you know, it's just he just dominates against centers. Yeah, I was talking with one of our uh, coaches on our staff about it about the Fletcher that screen pass. Just how quickly he's able to recognize, because he's really good at recognizing the yeah, screen I mean, passes. Normally there's, you know, you and I watch so much tape, normally we can watch and we see a tell. Yeah. And we go, wow, that, that guy, the, the player... Picked it up quick. Picked yeah. it up quick. He recognized... I couldn't find the tell as to when he picked it up. So, like, the, the, the sense I got, this was the theory I got, and I think it's a pretty good one, is that he's so strong and so powerful that when he lines up, when he makes contact with a guy, he's getting everything that opponent's got. Right. If he feels even like a, sl- a hint less than everything that he's got from the opponent, that's an interesting. Uh, that he knows it's a screen. Like is that what the coach said? Yeah, that's an interesting point. That's a great point. I feel like that could be because when like, you play sports, you know, and it's been a long time since I played competitive sports, but you know, when, when you do, there's you know, 
there's just a feel you have. Uh, it's funny. I remember Matt Millen telling me years ago that he could always tell when it was play action versus a run because he said play action sounded different. You know, when you play, there's certain things you, you feel and hear yeah. when you're actually playing. Yeah. And I'm sure that may well be true with Fletcher Cox. It's right. just different, and he knew. Yeah, just, I mean, he, he, every game, I feel like we say this, but I, it's almost like you can't say it enough, just how talented, how right. powerful, how athletic. He's, he's just turned into a, one of the best players yep. in the league. Um, I look Across the rest of the defensive line, I thought a lot of guys really played well. I thought uh, Michael Bennett showed up well. Yep. He played inside-outside, made plays from both. Yeah. He was disruptive against the run in the pass. Uh, Chris Long, I thought, was disruptive over the he's course of He's just a good Arizona. player. He is. Yeah. And, and really, like, I feel like he was kind of just written off by the end, right. by the end of New England. And right. That, but he's turning, he's well, he's also really on a very good defense with other really good players on the D-line. And he can rotate in. If, uh, he, if you were signing him or if he had to be the guy, then we wouldn't say he was a great player. But in the context of this defensive line, yep. he's a he's a do-your-job player. Yeah. He's really good at doing his job very effectively. A lot of people were very quick Friday morning. I felt myself having to go like almost on the defensive on Twitter for Derek Barnett because he got flagged for two right, offsides right. penalties, one of which uh, Michael Bennett was lined up next to him, and he actually flinched first. Right, the flag right. got, went, got thrown on Barnett, but, well, um, and one he lined up in the neutral zone and took away a sack. I get it, yeah. I think we also have to be careful, and, and I deal with this a lot You know, when I do other shows, radio yeah. shows, and in making definitive judgments on one game. It's the first game of the year. Or two snaps. Or two snaps, right. <laughs> right. You know, it's the first game. A lot of guys didn't play a lot in the preseason, and you know, I think you have to give it a little more time. I, I think that the Eagles, the bottom line is the Eagles have a very good D-line. Yep. Derek Barnett's a good player. Will he be a great player? We can't say that one way or the other yet. Yep. But Derek Barnett had a good rookie year with the expectation that he'll be better this year. Yeah. I thought what one of the things I did see from him, he had a nice spin move on the one play. Right. He disrupted uh, one play-action deep shot for Atlanta. They tried that um, that play that we saw so much last year. The throwback. The, the, the jet with the with the wheel out of the yeah, backfield, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, the Kareem Hunt play, the Todd Gurley play. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And Derek yes, Barnett and Brandon yes, Graham both arrived yes, at the quarterback at the I same remember time, it, disrupted yeah, the timing yeah, of the play. Yeah. Barnett got home there. He showed a little bit of pop on yep. a couple bull rushes. Like, you're starting to see him take, yeah. take next steps in areas that he needed to take next steps right. in to take you know go to the next level. So I'm excited to watch him continue to develop as well. Um, they played a ton of uh, dime. Played a lot big of nickel big and nickel dime. And dime. It was, they Corey Graham was a critical part of this uh, game plan. Yeah, it was. I thought it was it was interesting because um, you know going in, I said, all right, well, what are these sub sub packages going to look like? How, how much is Sidney Jones going to play? It was a it was a good mix yeah. of big nickel, nickel yep. and dime. Yep. All three very particular, and very specific personnel groups. I don't have the numbers in front I of me. I think I I might. Eagles had twenty five snaps of dime, fifteen snaps of big nickel. All four sacks came out of dime. There you go. That's very interesting. So, and and Graham was the featured player in the game plan. He yeah. played a lot of snaps. I don't have the number, but he yeah. has played a lot of snaps. Yeah, and what did that allowed what did that allowed Jim Schwartz to do is use Rodney McLeod in ways that we didn't necessarily see too I much of him I thought McLeod was much more than just a single high safety Way in this more. game. Yeah. And I'm anxious to see if that continues. Yep. Because one thing that we found out in in years in last couple of years, I guess, is this McLeod's third year? This is his third year. Third team, year. Yep. Is that normally, if he was not a deep safety, something was up. Right. You know, if he was down in the box. That was a tell for a blitz. It, it was a tell for something yes. that was, yeah, usually a blitz. 
maybe they did a lot of self-scouting and, and said, hey, you know what? We need to do some other things. And, and I think Rodney McLeod, because I think he's a physical – I remember when he was with the Rams, and I loved him, yep. when he played with T.J. McDonald. He did not just play deep. Right. He was a really good alley player. He was a physical run defender. Maybe they'll get him more involved that way as well. He made a great like a great tackle one-on-one against Devontae Freeman on the goal line on that first drive. Uh, the goal line stand where I they remember turned it. it. Yeah, he yeah. was one on one in the yeah. hole with yeah. six yards to spare against right. Freeman, who's not easy to bring down. I remember. One on one and he got yeah. him down. Yeah. Um, like another guy. It's like Barnett. He dropped that interception, and everyone's like, "Oh, right. Rodney McLeod is right. over it." Like, are you, he he was really active against right. the run in the past. Yeah. Was a huge part of that yeah. defense uh, the other night. Saw him blitzed a few times as well. So uh, a lot of things there. But in the secondary, Ronald Darby, Darby looked good. He had a good game. He had a good game. Yeah. Um, didn't back down from Julio Jones no. at all. Julio got had his catches, obviously, as Julio tends to do. Um, well, he got targeted a, 19 times. That'll do it, too. Yeah. Um, but a strong game from Ronald Darby. Yeah. I thought Sidney Jones played well, too. He did. Tell, what did you like about Sidney? Uh, you know, I think he has a pretty good feel. I mean, you know, look, obviously he didn't get a lot of balls thrown where he was making plays on the ball. I like the play he made on the screen pass. Yes, I remember that one. But I just thought in, in you know, in his own coverage concepts – I just thought he had a very good sense of spatial awareness and understanding of of the of the zone concepts mm-hmm. and you know I was trying to look for that because obviously the Eagles are not a high percentage man to man defense. Yeah. You know, they'll play some man obviously, sure. but you know so so sometimes when I watch corners I try to get a feel for how they see routes, their pattern recognition, pattern mm-hmm. reading. I thought Sidney Jones did a nice job. And how important is that knowing that he's seeing it from a place he's never seen it before in the I slot. think it's he'll, I think he'll only get better. Yeah. But I thought that in college even though he played a lot more man, I, I thought he was a very – I always hate the word instinctive because that can mean so many things to so many I, like, different people. I try not to say it as much Right, as I but I mean I thought he, he had a, a, a good feel for the, the game and an awareness of the game. Right. So, I mean, I'm not surprised by it, but again, you're asking him to play a, a new position, so I thought he did a good job. Uh, lastly, linebacking core was, a, I mean, that's a, a huge focus because you didn't have Nigel Bradham. Uh, you're working in a new third starter in base with right. Michael Kendricks gone. Uh, overall thoughts, first off, on the two young guys, Nate Gary, Kamu Grugier-Hill, both kind of had their share. Of I thought, I, I think I made a note about Grugier-Hill. I thought he played well. And, I'm, you know, I said, I said he had some excellent snaps in the run game playing with physicality and toughness, which is not theoretically his game because he's not a 240-pound guy. Right. But I thought he was willing to stick it up in there, take on blocks. He played off a few blocks. Yep. I mean, obviously, everybody talks about the goal line play, great play. Great play. But, I mean, there were three or four others and I'm sure you noticed them as well, where he stuck his nose in there versus offensive linemen and, 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 and at least played with physicality and toughness. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. He was both. not looking to avoid blocks. No, not at all. And yeah. it's because I think when you look at Kamu versus Nate Gary, in terms of just staying clean, like both of them, I think when a lineman gets locked onto them, they both kind of struggle uh, yeah. in terms of trying to get off. Which like is not most, surprising for Gary because do. he yeah. was a safety in exactly college. Exactly right. right, no question. Um, so that's kind of like the bugaboo for both guys. So the big objective is, all right, how do I stay clean? Right. Kamu's got – because he's, he's so explosive. Right. So he's naturally powerful. He's able to kind of like right. knock those guys back on contact and stay clean. Whereas but I Gary think, has to be a little more savvy. I think playing that way for, for Gruger Hill then shows that it's in his DNA. Yeah. Because he was – he just did that. It struck me as a matter of, hey, that's the way I play football. Yep. He wasn't looking to avoid contact. The, guy, the goal line play, he defeated two blocks right. and got to the football. Right. Uh, so that, that and that was, was actually a really well done team play because 
was it was, was it Jordan Hicks, Hicks who was Hicks. in the hole yes. and forced the, awesome. the bounce? Yep. Yeah, I mean that was a very good team defensive so play. Hicks overall in his return, what'd you think? I thought he played well. I mean, what I was looking for more than anything was not number of tackles or or spectacular plays, but just how he moved. I thought he moved pretty well. I I didn't think – I didn't come away going, boy, he's he's struggling in his movement. Did you? No. The the play that stood out to me was the the play where Fletcher got clipped or chop-blocked. Yes, yes, I remember it. He made an outstanding play in traffic, like shed a block on the move. I remember it. It was awesome. Yeah, Um, yeah, I I thought overall a good game from Jordan Hicks. Uh, all it's right. good. It's a good defense. It's a good defense. It's a good defense. It's a good team. Yeah, uh, it's the reason why they, you know, had some success last year. And you know, we shouldn't because they won the Super Bowl. I think people are just expecting every game is going to be a win. We shouldn't discount winning a game like that. That's a good opponent. You can say what you want. Yep. I know it's easy to rip Matt Ryan or whoever after that game, yep. but that was a good opponent in a game where it was not pretty. It was physical. It was tough. You got to win those games. Let me ask you one thing. We didn't talk about um, – we talked about the run game and everything, but about Doug in particular, the – first of all, you know, doing the, the Philly special right, play. Right, like, yeah. that, that's hilarious and everything. But the – did you pick up on the – when you watched the Aguilar run on that toss play in the fourth quarter, did yeah. you pick up on the the similarities between that one and his run? The 21-yarder? In the playoff game? Yeah, I mean, I thought conceptually it was similar. It was I, very similar. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, obviously the play wasn't the same yeah, play, right. but it was conceptually similar. Conceptually very yeah. similar. And I'm, yeah. I'm going to do a video segment on it later yeah. this week. I thought it was really interesting that they went and played off of that and yep. different players got manipulated yeah. and all that. It was, that was a nice little wrinkle playing yeah. yep. off something that gave them success yep. uh, in that game. All right. Uh, let's talk about Tampa Bay because, you know, I talked a week ago um, and it was tough because obviously this Bucks team wasn't great last year, but we know about the offensive weaponry. Uh, defensively, we were kind of like, oh, I don't know what we're going we're gonna to see. I don't know what we're going to talk about. But offensively, man, I mean, can, let me just tell, let me say this first. Uh, whoever the quarterback is is aside. Those six pass catchers, those four, so Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, Chris Godwin, Adam Humphreys, and then the two tight ends, Cam Brate, O.J. Howard, I think you could probably stack them up against most Groups in the NFL that could make that good group. could be the sixth it, best in the league. It could I was thinking that today that you know, as be. a group of six right. as receivers, yeah, not counting yeah. the running backs, right, blah, blah, right, just right. saying like those six right, guys, right, as receivers. I think that's that's a pretty good group. It's a really good group. Um, so it's not a surprise necessarily that they that they put up a bunch of points on Sunday. Um, you know, looking at just the, the way that they play offense, it's a vertical it's a, and, attack and, and field offense. What's important here. And and I think for for Eagles fans who might think, wow, they're worried, they played against a team in the Saints that's high percentage man to man, and the buck the Bucks receivers won, and the Eagles won't play man like that. Yep. But the Bucks receivers won. They just defeated them in in one on one matchups. Evans had a great game against. Marshawn Lattimore and Lattimore, like I know they they changed the game plan a little bit in the second half, yeah. but in that first half, regardless of how many times he got beat, like that battle between Evans and was Lattimore great. was awesome. It was, it was a lot. Great. Of fun. It was fun to watch. Yeah, they, even some of their zone it. concepts were built so that Lattimore was one on one on the back end. Yeah, you know, on the back side. Yep, and they just that was the way. But that's the way the Saints played last year when their defense played well. Right. So I mean, this was just a case where the Bucks receivers got the better of them, and then. You know, you can't take anything away from Fitzpatrick. He threw the ball 
so, so well. I mean, really accurately, great Which throat. Which that's not like his necessarily his MO. All no, yeah. no. And, and he's normally erratic, can be very scattershot. Um, and who knows? That could happen this Sunday. But you got to be careful because if he's throwing the ball well, they have a ton of weapons. Yeah, eight passes of 20-plus yards in the game. That's, that's a silly lot. number. Three yeah. touchdowns of 20-plus in the yeah, game. Yeah. Ridiculous number. Didn't give up any sacks. Uh, I thought, it, and, and you know, he can also run a little bit. Fitzpatrick, right. he can he can create some plays on third down with his legs. Yeah, that's what watching the you know Ben and I, uh, Ben Fennel and I were watching the game uh, this morning, and the two traits that Ben kept harping on were with uh, Fitzpatrick: anticipation and uh, elusiveness, escapability. Um, and you saw that you know yep. the, the final play, the, the the game that clinched the, the play that clinched it, yeah. was him running. Was a third and eight, and he ran for nine. Like he, yeah. you know, he lost, they lost contain, yeah. and he snuck out the back door, and, and he, he can ran do and that. Dove, and he do, yep, no question, ran for a touchdown in his own read down on the goal line. Like he's he's got the ability to be able to create for himself as well. And you know, I think one of the things about this uh, this offense, and I know that coaches talk about this all the time, defensive coaches, is they can line up in in a lot of different personnel packages, Fran, and you have to be prepared for all of them. You know, it's it's easy to say, oh well, so what if there's two tight ends on the field or three wide? You know, but they can line up in two tight with two really good receivers in O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. They can line up in three wide, and they've got a group of four that are out there. You know, for the three wide, you know, you put Godwin, Jackson, and Evans out there. That's that's a pretty good group. I, I think it says mm-hmm. something about the group of three receivers that they played as much because that's another we said about the yeah. Eagles. They played more eleven yesterday than I thought they would going in. Like I thought, oh, I'm going to see a good amount of 12. It wasn't a lot of 12. No, no, because I didn't I, I didn't check the snap counts, but I didn't see Cameron Braid as much as I thought I would. No, it was more O.J. Howard. Yeah, and yeah. I, I mean, those guys, they're athletic. They're yeah. really good at the catch point. I mean, Cameron Braid, the last time the Eagles and Bucks played, it was it was a terrible it was a terrible game for the Eagles. Uh, but Cameron Braid, I think he caught like two or three touchdowns from Jameis in the game. Right. And th- that was before Cameron Braid was Cameron Braid. I think it was right. his rookie year. Right. He's a he's a good athlete, a he's good a pass really good end. athlete. Uh, so the way that they're able to use those guys, you know, a lot of three level stretches. They love sneaking OJ, and I, I like I am guaranteeing that they run this play. Uh, the throwback, they, the throwback. Which, they ran it like eight times a year ago for big plays. Yeah, I know, I know, and I think OJ Howard caught two for touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it doesn't, it wouldn't shock me at all. I guess especially against the defense like yeah. the Eagles, an aggressive group. They're going to try and play off yeah. that and go misdirection the other way, but. Um, no, it's a it's a good group overall. Talk about Dirk Cutter and just his mindset. What is what does he want to do philosophically as a play caller? I think he's always been aggressive as a as a pass game coach. You know, he's not a a quick rhythm guy. Even though they obviously every team has quick rhythm throws, yep. but he likes the play action pass game, the deeper drops, the vertical route concepts. I think that's in an ideal world that's what he would like to do. Yeah, which obviously makes it a big challenge for the Eagles D line because you certainly would like to be in a situation where uh, Fitzpatrick can't take those long five or seven step drops and sort of wait for route concepts to develop at the intermediate and vertical levels. Mm. But that's what Dirk Cutter likes to do. You saw that a ton with Jameis when he played. You saw it last week against the Saints. That's kind of his MO. Yeah, I read an interview that he did a few years ago. I think it was back in like 2010 or 2011 where he basically said, look, um, you know, some people like to uh, matriculate the ball down the field and work really hard for four yards. I'd rather work really hard for 18 or 19 yards. Right. <laughs> that's kind of, you can kind of see the way that they play. That kind of and matches that philosophy. Yeah, I mean, that's a, 
probably <laughs> sums up his philosophy pretty well. A lot of play action, like you yeah. said, and I think that'll be something uh, the Eagles will certainly see, and that obviously goes off the run game. Look, the numbers aren't you know outstanding, but Peyton Barber's a good runner. We're going to talk about him later on in the show, too, but Peyton Barber's a good runner. Peyton Barber is, yes, he, he's a hard, you know, but we, I talked to you about him in the preseason because, yeah, as, as you know, I went back and watched all of his runs last year in yeah. 2017. I think he had about 108 of them, 109 of them. Which so he I, started on the depth chart, like third, third right. depth chart going into the And he's an Auburn team. kid, had a good career at Auburn, rushed for over 1,000 yards, I think, his last year. Undrafted. Backs yeah. like that are not viewed as special because he doesn't have any qualities that jump off the film. Yep. But he's 225 to 230 pounds. He's a little quicker in the hole than you think. You know, not I wouldn't call him dynamically elusive or shifty, but he's not plotting by any means. Yep. And, you know, backs like that tend not to get drafted the way backs have been devalued mm-hmm. now to some degree. But I've always contended that if you, can, if you stay committed to a run game behind a pretty good old line, and their own line's going to be pretty good. Ryan Jen- Jensen gives them a little bit of moxie and toughness and competitiveness. I thought he had a pretty good game yesterday. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, now uh, Marpet's back at guard. I think they, he's their best lineman. Yeah. They, they don't have a bad old line. Yeah. I mean, it's not in the top three or four, but it's, it's more than serviceable. Yep. If you have a back and you're committed to the run game and you stay in games, if he were to be the guy and rush the ball 250, 260 times, he'll gain 1,000 yards. Yeah. I, th- I think he's – stylistically, he kind of reminds me of Devontae Freeman. Oh, see, I wouldn't – See, like see Freeman that. is like – I mean, Freeman is – Freeman's way better, more dynamic. No question. I mean, yeah. if that's why Freeman is Freeman and right, Peyton right. Barber is Peyton Barber. But, like, stylistically, like, I look at the compact build. I look at the decisiveness. I look at the competitiveness. He's like, a competitive runner. He's a really competitive yeah, runner. That yeah. was why I, I, I really liked him coming out of Auburn. See, that's why I think that a guy like that can gain yards because he's one. Of, he's a good finisher. He's a back that he's probably not going to break a lot of long runs. Yep. But he's also a back that when you look up, he, it seems like he, he gained three and he got six. Yeah. He's one of those kinds of backs. You talked about that O-line. I think that, honestly, we're going to say this a lot, the defensive line for the Eagles going up against this O-line is going to be a big matchup because you, if, in order for them to be able to complete those 20-plus yard gains, the defensive line's got to be able to get home. This Eagles defensive line's better than what they faced and, against and, the Orleans. And the other thing, as good as, Fitpat- as Fitpatrick was last week, and he's had a very nice career, last week people might not realize was his 120th NFL start. A lot of starts for a, lot of starts. a kid from Harvard yep. who's three times in his career started all 16 games. So mm-hmm. he's been an NFL starter. But in this game, you can say this in every game, but it's particularly true in this game. Third and long is critical because Fitzpatrick can get antsy and he can become scattershot and erratic with his throws. Mm. So it's absolutely critical that you get them in third and long. He was so comfortable against the Saints. I don't think there were two plays in the game where he looked like he was under duress. You know, a couple of times he ran, but he ran comfortably. He didn't right. run out of panic or desperation. He ran because, hey, he saw an opening and he was going to gain some yards. But he played this game about as comfortably as you could play a game. Yep. And eight of thir- they were 8 of 13 on third down right. on Sunday. So you can't let him be a comfortable player. Yeah, I agree. That's, it's going to be up to the D-line to make sure that doesn't happen. You're right. Um, just watching these matchups in the secondary will be very interesting. Deshaun Jackson left the game with concussion. Uh, we'll see at this point his status up in the air. But isn't it amazing that if he can't go, that then you can line up Chris Godwin? I right. mean, not a lot of teams yeah. can say that. No question. Yeah. No question. It's it's a really good group. Yeah. Pass catchers. This is how we started the season. Yeah, yeah. It's a good group. 
Um, all right, let's go to their defense, which is much more you know nondescript in terms of you know that's a lot of new pieces right. and they're kind of finding their way. Uh, Mike Smith is the defensive coordinator historically. You know, look four three. We're going to play a lot of zone coverage. We're going to rush gonna four. Work. We're going to play cover three, cover four. We're not going to play a ton of man. We're not going to blitz a lot. An execution defense, right? So what did we see Sunday that would change a change? A little more blitz. Now again, the one thing we don't know was that specific to who they played. Yep. Or is this something that they're going to do more of? Because last year they had 22 sacks, which was the fewest in the NFL, and it's an unacceptable Bad number. number. Yeah. So uh, we don't know, but the point is it's now on tape, Fran. So the Eagles have to be aware that they might see a little more blitz. Yeah, so you see, they go in the offseason. They, they obviously they go and acquire Jason Pierre-Paul. They signed Vinnie Curry. They signed Bo Allen. They draft Vita Vea in the top 15. I don't think um, he'll be going this no, week. No, he's got the calf injury. Yeah, yeah. Still, he's been out most of the summer. But yeah. they go and they add all these pieces. Right. You think, and now they're going to adjust their blitz package a little bit, try and see if they can beef up uh, that pass rush. I thought that, uh, look, th- this is a group when it's third down, and it's a shame. They just spent a second-round pick on Noah Spence uh, a couple of years ago. How many you know, uh, third and longs did they have in this game? And he's, he's not on the field. It's right. William Golston. I know. That was Ryan, interesting. Carl Nassib, who I, they just signed off this crap. I the found that heap. very interesting. That's all, that says yeah, a lot about that, how they feel about Spence all, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mentioned Golston. Golson was a former, I want to say a day three pick, really long, as right. athletic. They played him a nose a lot this summer and then a little bit yesterday. In this game, he played DN a number of snaps in their, in their nickel. Yeah, I mean, so he's lined up in a yeah. number of different So snaps. that tells you a lot about Noah Spence right, right now. No question. Yeah. Um, JPP at this stage, where, where is he at in his career? How do you view him in terms of being able to impact that D-line? Um because it'll be him. He he doesn't move around. He's lining up no. at the right end, and he's going to match up on Jason, on Jason Peters. Right. You know, that's a good question. I mean, in playing Drew Brees, n- normally you don't get a lot of, of sacks. I mean, the one sack Ball's they had was him. because the right tackle uh, was laid off the ball. Yep. And I forget who got the sack, but but uh, the right tackle was laid off the ball. Yep. Uh, so it's it. I thought JPP, for instance, he played – had a lot of preseason snaps when they played Tennessee against Taylor Lewan, and I thought he actually played well. I don't know if you watched that tape. I did. I thought he had some good brushes against Taylor Lewan, who's yep. probably good a top player. six or seven yep. left tackle in the league. No doubt. So, you know, I, I don't think it, it makes a lot of sense to just look at the game this past Sunday against the Saints and say, well, he's not a great pass rusher or he's lost it because, boy, there's no better quarterback in the league in terms of timing and rhythm than Drew Brees. Now, that's not necessarily the case with Nick, Nick Foles. Now, Doug Peterson does as much as he can as far as rhythm, as far as play concepts and schematics to help, but there are times when Nick does hold the ball yep. and you know does kind of hang in the pocket, and we'll find out if, if the pass rush gets to him. Yeah, and it was Vinnie Curry off the other side uh, right. to get that sack. Right, right, Um And he lines up at left side. So what right. they'll do is you know, both guys, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul right side, uh, Vinnie Curry left side, that's where they're going to be. The one thing they do do uh, every once in a while is they'll slide those guys inside Correct. and reduce fronts. So Correct. talk about the, the challenges that the Eagles O-line will face when they'll see some of those reduced Well, the fronts. old NASCAR or cheetah front, you know, right. where teams are trying to put as many defensive ends on the field as possible. The Eagles do that. Graham's yep. inside. Bennett's inside. So teams do that in third down, predominantly third down situations mm-hmm. because normally the guys you put inside, DNs, are quicker than offensive guards. Yep. So that's, that's the plan. You'll see that. You know, I think Noah Spence is the wild card here. 
did he just not play because maybe he wasn't ready? Is he going to play a lot more snaps this week? Or are they down on him? We don't know this. Right, yep. But he was theoretically drafted to be a big-time edge rusher yep. coming out of college. Yep. And hasn't quite turned out that way at this point. No, no question. So then you look at the uh, the rest of this defensive line. We haven't even mentioned the guy who's probably the, he's McCoy. the best player on that defense. Yeah, is Gerald yeah, McCoy. Yeah. McCoy's... Really explosive yeah. first step, very not, disruptive. Not a great pass rusher. Like not a, uh, I mean, he can sack the quarterback, but he's, he's not a, a true pass rusher in the sense of some other interior defensive tackles, through, you know, pure three techniques. Right. But he's still very, very athletic. Yeah, and he, I mean, there was the play uh, where he locked out his arms in the back. He, he wins off that quick first yep, step, that yep. get-off. His get-off is very, very good. Yeah. Uh, so he wins off the ball. And if he does, uh, you know, get into contact with an offensive lineman, he locks those arms out. He's he's a pretty powerful kid. Yes, yes. Um, he can get moved at times in the run game. He's more powerful, I think, than he is strong. Like, yeah. he can just drop his anchor yeah. and, and stay put. But he's a good player. Good very, player. Very disruptive player. Um, just looking at the rest of the, the personnel up front, they pick up Carl Nassib from Cleveland. Uh, so he's giving financial advice in the locker room. Correct. We talked about Noah Spence. Talked about Will Golston. Yeah, that's about what we're looking at with this defense. Uh, Drell Worthy, former second round. Player. I know he's kind of flashed. Yeah, and he's you know what? Snaps. When he came out of Michigan State, there are, there were a lot of people who thought this guy had a chance to be a really good player. Yeah, it hasn't worked out, but he's got ability. Yeah, no yeah, question. Yeah, um, and then we go to the linebackers and uh, two really athletic kids. The two guys that I really liked coming out of school: Levan, uh, Levante David and Quan Alexander. And Quan yeah. Alexander. Both guys are undersized, rangy, sideline to sideline types, but we're both very very physical and not afraid of contact where do you kind of view both those guys in their careers right now how do they stack up to other linebackers in the nfl well i think they're exactly what you said um you know this is a team that traditionally since they've been there has not played a lot of man coverage so they don't have a lot of experience playing man coverage i don't think they'll play a ton of man coverage so i I think that limitation is can it be exposed? Yeah, because there are times when, even in zone, you have to match up to a player. Yep. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Eagles look at Darren Sproles in this game and feel that they can get him, even in a zone concept, matched on David or Alexander, and that's advantage Eagles. Yeah. Uh, but those guys are, are fast and explosive athletes. Yeah, it's uh, they're both really in, impressive to watch just in yeah. the open field, their ability to play sideline to sideline. There were times numerous times and they're, they're playing quarters coverage and they're playing they're, they're playing in zone but Levante David's like matched up on the slot against yeah. Michael Thomas yeah and it's Drew Brees is like okay well I'm right gonna, I'm going to take right. this I know it's zone coverage right but, but they're, still they're, they're, they're playing yeah. in space yeah. against Michael yeah. Thomas I'm going to take this so I, I thought that was very interesting something else uh, we picked up watching that now let me ask you a question as we move to the secondary what's the word on Hargreaves do you know that he's probably going to play too, but we'll see. Okay, yeah, I mean, because that, when he was out, point. they were playing obviously, and I don't know about uh, Grimes, right? But they were playing with two rookies because they had Carlton Davis playing one yeah. corner, the Auburn kid, and Davis then they had a little bit. then they had Stewart from uh, yep. was it NC State, no, North Carolina, North Carolina who I was loved MJ, yeah, MJ yeah. Well, he played a couple snaps outside, but then he moved into the slot yep. in the nickel when Hargreaves got hurt. Right. Yep. And yeah. It's um. You know, we'll we'll see. I, my guess is that Hargreaves will probably end up playing. I didn't yeah. seem like it was anything. So too, he too starts good. outside yes. and then moves into the and slot. Moves into the slot, and right? The nickel. Right. Um, and they're a pre- predominant nickel team. Yeah, they don't play not, dime. No, they, yeah. I don't know if they've got the uh, the safety depth. to yeah. to want to try and dive into that. Um, so talk about their say Justin Evans, the former second round pick, from very Texas athletic A&M. kid. Yep, rangy. Uh, he's yeah. the one who uh, actually it was a really athletic play. 
the fumble recovery for a touchdown. He picked it up on the move and right. pirouetted. Right. It was yeah. actually a really athletic play. Um, yeah, he's predominantly their free safety yep. when they play single high. Um, and then Chris Conti, who's he's just he's, he's he seems always like there. he's been in the league since uh, the 1970s. Yeah. Finds but a way. He finds a way, and he keeps starting. Yeah, and he seems to be the guy who plays more in the box. And if they do play man, which is not that many snaps, he seems to be the tight end matchup, mm. which is one reason I'm not sure they're going to play a lot of man right. because I don't think he's a good tight end matchup. Yeah, it looked like um, sometimes they put Darius Taylor, if they were in base, he got matched up Correct. with man as well. Correct, tight end as well. but if they were in nickel, it yes. tended to be Conti. Yeah. And I don't think he's a good matchup at all for yeah. Zach Ertz. Yeah, I would agree. That could be something where maybe we do Well, they might not play 12. man. I, yeah. Well, I wonder if we see more 12 oh, you might. and trying to spread them out. Like, all right, what are you going to do? Right, exactly. So we'll but see. I think if they do, they'll just play zone. Yeah. Uh, that's what I believe. Interesting. All right, well – uh, we'll find out here Sunday Sunday afternoon one o'clock our first one o'clock game of the uh, the season. There's been a lot of night games oh, yeah. uh, so far to get things started. I like the one o'clock. I like the one o'clock road games. I for know. You. I know. <laughs> <laughs> for a lot of reasons, I agree with you. Uh, so, Greg Cosell, appreciate the time here as always on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Rant. Great stuff from Greg, and you can follow him just like I do on Twitter, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I really appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the other is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, give us a rating, or even leave us a comment. Bushman98 left a five-star review and a great comment saying how much he loved the show. So shout out to him and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All right, let's keep this show going. Earlier, I told you we would dive into my notes on Bucks running back Peyton Barber coming out of Auburn. He's the subject this week on my scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so Peyton Barber, 5'10", even, 228 pounds. He's the cousin of former Dallas Cowboys running back Marion Barber. So started just nine games in Gus Malzahn's shotgun spread offense, mostly lined up in the gun or in the pistol, both mixed, so one, one and two back sets. Quickness to jump cut and find space for himself to, to work strong, physical runner inside. He packs a punch, very tough to bring down one-on-one. He ran behind his pads, and he was always falling forward, used his arm as a weapon, had a knack for making defenders miss despite a lack of wiggle. He didn't really fumble once at all in the six games that I studied. Does a really good job protecting the football. Solid receiver out of the backfield that could be used in the screen game. Wasn't really flexed out in space, but caught the ball pretty well. Uh, Gives effort and pass protection. Tried to block with good technique. Just wasn't very effective at it at the college level. Used as a lead block at times as well in the quarterback run game and like in pass pro the effort was there but he just wasn't overly effective at it from a negative standpoint at times when I watched him at Auburn I wondered how quickly he processed things in traffic he looked a little bit indecisive at times struggled to see the forest through the trees he ran into the backs of his blockers too often not many examples of him finding his way through traffic and bursting through a crack in the defense. I didn't see a a super explosive guy. He was quick, but not overly explosive. uh, That was going to have great success east-west, getting to the corner. Just decent uh, change of direction and lateral quickness. Enough to be dangerous, but not enough to necessarily be an effective feature back over long stretches of time. The more I watched Barber, though, the more I began to like him because of his physicality and his competitiveness. The more I watched the more I didn't think, though, that Barber was instinctive enough or explosive enough to be a feature of ball carrier at the next level. That being said, 
with that physicality, with that competitive streak. That we talked about that trait with Greg earlier, as well as his ability to play on third down. Like I said, serviceable screen game weapon and a really good effort guy and pass pro. I thought that he could be a quality change of pace option or a short yardage option in any offense. I actually had him at the end of the day. He was a num- the number nine running back in the class for me when I did my t- t- final ranking. So uh, despite all of the negatives I thought about him, I still had him ranked pretty highly. He ended up going undrafted. So kind of thought, oh, he's going to be an afterthought. You know, maybe I just I just missed on him. Looking back on those notes and then after just studying him for the last few days, I see where I both hit and missed on Barber. That competitive nature I talked about, which I think is probably, honestly, like if I were to rank, rank up, all the traits that I look at at the running back position and say, what's most important? I think the competitiveness is probably like one or two. And I think it's really when you're required for success almost at every position in the NFL, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, corner, you got to have a competitive streak. And I think when you look at the running back position, that's absolutely true. And I think when you look at Peyton Barber, no question is that true. That absolutely shows up on film when you watch this guy with the Tampa Bay Bucks. He's a grinder between the tackles. He finishes defenders on contact. He's always falling forward. He brings an attitude as a ball carrier. As a blocker, I watched him step up and take on a 300-pound defensive tackle, Sheldon Rankins, on Sunday on more than one occasion and hold his own a couple of times. He's a bulldog both as a runner and as a blocker. I talked about his effort in that second phase when he was in college, but his technique has gotten so much better, and you just see that he's really able to hold up at the point of attack. I really enjoy watching Peyton Barber play. He's still not an impact receiver. He's not what I would call a top-level athlete for the position at the NFL level. The area where I missed on him, though, was his vision and decisiveness. Like He looks so much more confident carrying the football now in this dirt cutter offense, whether it's the zone run game or gap scheme runs. He looked confident. He's making people miss. He's not dancing behind the line of scrimmage. I said uh, earlier how he finishes runs. He's not running into the backs of O-linemen like I saw when he was at Auburn. Honestly, stylistically, I said this earlier with Greg, he kind of looks like Devontae Freeman because of all of those different traits. Barber's line isn't as good as what Freeman has had in Atlanta. I actually, I think Greg likes their offensive line maybe a little bit more than I do. Um, but Barber's line's not great. This is essentially a pass-first team, and they've kind of rotated him around. So the numbers don't necessarily play out in the way that Barber is this great player. But he's turned into a nice ball carrier. The trait that he hangs on his hat on the most, and I truly believe that that trait is a non-negotiable for me, is his competitiveness. I think he's going to end up being a nice player for them. Ronald Jones, they just took in the second round was inactive. It was a healthy scratch for the Bucks this past year, this past week against New Orleans. We'll see if that continues, but uh, I'll be very, very interested and anxious to see whether or not Peyton Barber can hold off Ronald Jones for the long term. He's a good football player. Uh, been really good to see that he's developed into that because I did like him with the Auburn Tigers. So great stuff this week from Greg Cosell and all of you out there listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play, and of course on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you. And again, one more time, take a few seconds, go rate the show, leave us a comment. Don't be afraid to leave a question on there. Love the ability here, as always, to answer it on the podcast. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.